Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hi, Reach listeners. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know that this is part one of a two-part series with our guest, China Clayton. China is the former assistant to Mrs. Michelle Obama. In part one, we'll be discussing how China landed the role supporting the former first lady and what her learning curve looked like, all while navigating the highest stakes imaginable, as well as what a typical day in the life looked like as an EA supporting the first lady. Be sure to join us back here in a couple more weeks for part two of this invigorating, educational, life-affirming, and inspiring conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reach. This is your host, Jessica Van. I'm the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group and the host of our podcast. And oh my goodness, am I excited. To say that I am humbled to welcome today's guest to our program doesn't even begin to describe it. It is an absolute honor to have her with us today and for all of us to be able to learn from someone who is so accomplished, so admirable and gifted at her work, and who has literally worked at the highest echelon of demand, expectation, intensity, discretion, and truly where the stakes couldn't have been higher. So our guest today is none other than China Clayton. If you know, you know. <laughs> China spent over a decade as the executive assistant to the legendary Michelle Obama, first in her capacity as FLOTUS, and then another six years working for Mrs. Obama after she departed from the White House. So let me just pause there and say, hi, China. Welcome. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We're, we're really, really, really excited for this for today's topic and just to have you here and to meet you. So thank you for honoring us with um, with your presence. So uh, following her time with Mrs. Obama, China launched her own consultancy called Matriarch Made Development, where she focuses on developing the talent and potential of administrative professionals in both corporate and nonprofit organizations. We will be linking how you can get in touch with Matriarch Made Development as a resource for all of you in our show notes. Um, so please check that out. But uh, the short of it is the best way is to go to www.chinaclayton.com. That's the first and um, last name of chinaclayton.com. So China, we're so excited to meet and to get into your story. I have just been anticipating this. Um, your story, as you know, has also been featured in media outlets such as Vogue and Oprah Daily. So we are especially honored that you've agreed to spend time with our REACH community today. Oh, yes, Jessica, again, thank you so much for having me. I mean, and that was quite the introduction. <laughs> I hope I live up to it all. <laughs> well, it's but just I, your life. I mean, there's, there's no embellishment. That's just you. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my gosh. I'm I'm always taken aback by it, you know? It's like, yeah. whoa, is that me? Are you really yeah. talking about me? Um, right. But but yeah, I, I'm I'm so glad that we are able to have this conversation. Um, you know, it's a much needed conversation. And and obviously I, I just love what you guys are doing at Maven and especially with the Reach podcast. I mean, boy. Yeah, well, we we share that, right? We share a desire, I think, to really elevate this field and to really empower um, the professionals who are a part of this community and to really recognize how vital and important and meaningful this work is. So we certainly share that. Um, So uh, I think to get us started, I think we should talk about what is probably the burning question on everyone's mind, which is how do you land a role... (laughs) In the Obama White House, <laughs> supporting former First Lady Michelle Obama. That, I mean, that's oh. just, that's pretty epic. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, how much time do we have? Right? So I, to- well, I told you, China, we have all the time in the world. <laughs> this could be a three part series, a four part oh series. It could be, we could have multiple seasons. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, honestly, uh, the full answer to this question may shock your listeners. Um, You know, during my senior year uh, at the University of Florida, Go Gators, um, I was required to complete an internship within my field. And I got accepted to uh, an internship program with the Atlanta Hawks, so supporting their events, and then also the White House internship program under the Obama administration. And I actually wanted to accept the Atlanta Hawks offer because my plan, and I say this using air quotes, right? (laughs) My plan was to move to Atlanta uh, and start my own event planning company after graduation. However, you know, God had something else in mind, you know, after discussing uh, the options with my mom. Uh, she told me, she's like, this is a no brainer. It is the first African-American administration. And we had family uh, in Maryland who I could stay with. So being a single mother, she's also thinking from a cost perspective. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so needless to say, um, I accepted the internship with the office of um, or the presidential office of scheduling in advance. um, And that was truly my gateway into landing the role with this with Mrs. Obama. Um, Shortly after the internship, I traveled as an advanced associate uh, coordinating logistics for then President Obama, the First Lady, Vice President Biden, uh, Dr. Biden. Um, And I started to really focus in on their RON logistics. So RON uh, stands for Remain Overnight. So this is the person who handles their lodging accommodations um, or the logistics involved in that anywhere they remain overnight outside of the White House. So as the Ron, you're in in some of their most intimate spaces, right? Tracking their preferences and controlling the comings and goings uh, in their suite. And so this position requires like the utmost discretion and obviously like a balance between professionalism and, you know, ease and poise because you do want them to feel at comfortable. I mean, at home, sorry, you want them to feel comfortable. You know, this is where they are able to decompress and you are the person that's in that space and, and ensuring that that can happen. Um And it was in that role that Mrs. Obama later told me uh, is when she took notice of me. Shortly after that, I worked on the 2012 uh, re-election campaign and then the presidential inauguration. Um, And throughout that time, I was also applying for positions in the office of the First Lady. Um, And unfortunately, I I was not getting them. (laughs) And there was just a lot of administrative roles. Um, 
But I ended up landing a job at the Walt Disney Company, uh, supporting two of their vice presidents in their government relations office here in D.C. And so while I was at Disney, I had this burning feeling that like I was only there to prepare for something bigger. And I would literally have dreams that the Obamas would know me on a first name basis. And so like talk about manifestation, right? <laughs> and so lo and behold, uh, you know, after two years with Disney, I received a call from the office of the first lady asking if I'd like to be the body woman to Michelle Obama. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's about as manifest, manifesty <laughs> <laughs> as you can get. That's, oh, yes. That's absolutely incredible. And I, I, I'd love to maybe rewind for just a, a moment and talk about, mm-hmm. you know, as you mentioned, that was when when you were doing this um, Remain Overnight advance work. Yeah. That's when Mrs. Obama basically flagged you and, and kind of took a, took a shine to you. What mm-hmm. do you think you were doing so well? And how do you think you were conducting yourself to the point mm-hmm. where you got her attention? Yeah. I think, honestly, it was the level of professionalism that I brought to the role and it was the ability to anticipate needs and, and, and carry out requests in a way that didn't require much follow-up on her part. Um, so that's what I like to think it was. I think it was also, uh, you know, the fact that I, I have this demeanor that is welcoming, but I'm also, quiet and I can kind of disappear when needed, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I, I really do. I think that those were the the things that kind of stood out. So when you accepted the role supporting Mrs. Obama as her advanced associate, you were, as you, you know, as you just mentioned, you were relatively early in your career. You had this experience with Disney that was kind of your first quote unquote um, career professional mm-hmm. role. So did you have any moments of stage fright or concern that you weren't up to the task? Did you ever have one of those moments of like that I'm not worthy moment, if you oh will? <laughs> and and how how did you work through that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was a baby when I started, right? I was uh, 22 years old. Um, you were a peach and- fuzz. Like, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know what I was like at 22. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot you don't know at 22. Tell a me lot. about it. Tell yeah. me about it. And like, and so I turned 21, I believe, during the internship program. And so 22 with this, you know, crazy role of an of advanced associate. And, you know, thankfully, I was surrounded by so many veterans, right? So uh, some people who had been doing advance uh, during the Clinton administration and others that had been, you know, working on various campaigns. And here I was, this young girl from Miami who, like, had no clue what this world was, right? I had no idea. It was all so new to me, right? You know, you're watching the president and the first lady on TV delivering a speech or talking to, you know, constituents and kids or meeting with a, with a head of state, or you see them on that family bike ride and you have no clue the mechanics involved behind the scenes to just make that happen. Right. Every aspect of their life that requires going from one place to another is intricately planned by an advanced team. And like, of course, in conjunction with like Secret Service and all these various military agencies, but like 
advance, you know? So they're, the, the people who dedicate their time and their skill uh, doing advance, they are true masters of logistics and planning, mm-hmm. you know? And there's there's a mix of like type A, yet they're really right brain thinkers uh, because they are required to think outside of the box. And they are con- required to think about contingency after contingency for every scenario. And they truly make the impossible possible because they're working with limited resources and, you know, government budgets. <laughs> so it's a little bit constraining. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I do like to think that my background in events is what definitely helped to ease the worry of not being up to the task. But most mm. of all, you know, it was the willingness to learn and absorb from others. Right. Like that helped combat my fears. Um, I remember doing one of my first trips, I was doing the crowd advance for the first lady. So this is the person in charge of, you know, getting the tickets out to everybody, ensuring that they can get into the venue safely, um, you know, factoring in a first aid and all the things that come with planning large scale events um, or for large scale crowds. Um, And so I had this daunting task of figuring out how to transport over 3000 families from one event to the next event ahead of the first lady, Um, And what ended up happening was two days before the event was scheduled, uh, half of the buses that we were going to or we were supposed to to receive, uh, that number got slashed in half. And I was just like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? Right. I started to panic because like immediately I'm feeling like a failure and I feel like I'm being a poor representation of the office of the first lady because we promised transportation. And now we're having to walk that back. Right. Um, But thankfully, I had teammates who'd been in this for a while and they reassured me like, one, this is not a reflection of you. Two, things happen. And three, it's not as bad as you think it is, Um, you know, because we had the time to own it. And then we had the time to inform people so that they could start to make plans about how they were going to get themselves to the next site. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, we can be so hard on ourselves sometimes, especially as assistants for not getting it right or making simple mistakes because we're constantly striving for perfection. And who can blame us, right? Because your performance is based on someone else's success. So the key is, you know, accepting the fact that we're human and we will make mistakes. And it's all about accepting responsibility, learning from them, and trying not to repeat those same mistakes over and over again. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, I, I think that what's so staggering to me in, in your story and just hearing you really describe just the level of intricacy, the level of involvement, the level of preparation, what's so staggering to me about, about your success out, out of the gate with, with the Obamas is that none of this knowledge is necessarily intuitive. Like, it's not like, (laughs) right? I mean, it's, it's one thing to, you know, you've seen your family prepare a certain meal a million times growing up. You've never had to prepare the meal yourself, but on some level you've, you know, you've seen all the components of of how they assemble this particular dish. So you feel like "Ah, I can kind of wing it. But the thing about this, about this role and just the this platform, right? Just the stakes and the visibility is so next level. And it's just not intuitive. There's really no, unless you've, unless you've been in that realm, there's really no way to fake it or anticipate all of the different situations, 
contingencies, mishaps that could happen. And that's what I think is just so impressive to me about your story is that, you know, you were able to, to land this role and to really thrive in this role with really absolutely no playbook. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's just really, it's really just incredible. (laughs) I just want to like really take a moment to absorb that, you know? Um, Oh yeah. But again, you know, had, had I not had the team's, you know, support and having the people who'd done it before. And it really is, you just get in it and you learn it and you ask the questions. Um, and that's how you start to ascertain that knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. if you're just going in it and you are not proactive and you're just taking it as it go- comes, it's like, okay, you know, you're not going to be able to really respect and, 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 you know, truly seize the opportunity for what it's worth. That's an important theme. And I, I think that's probably something we're going to continue to hear in our conversation today. But the, the first thing that I'm hearing emerge is one of humility and that really being kind of the foundation for your growth and your trajectory is that you didn't come into this with an air of, I know everything there is to know. You came into this with the with the mindset of, I'm here to learn and mm-hmm. I'm here to ask questions and I have the humility to recognize I don't know what I don't know. So I'm here to learn. And I think that it's really that that is so important and instrumental in um, in any kind of growth and, and success that people are able to achieve. Oh, 100 percent. I think that's that's you know, it's a great strength to acknowledge what you don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it says a lot about a leader who is able to acknowledge, hey, I don't know everything. And there will be some things that I have to learn, right? There will be some things that somebody's going to have to sit down and teach me. You know, you don't want to ever go into something just with that arrogance and that air of, you know, the know-it-all. The (laughs) know-it-all. Yeah, totally. So you touched on this a little bit about um, kind of needing to afford yourself a little bit of grace and a little bit of forgiveness and a little clemency, right? Like when things don't go perfectly, such as the example that you gave with the 3000 families that you had to figure out how you were going to get them to their next location. So, you know, what are some of the other skills and knowledge um, or even just kind of understanding that you had to quickly acquire to be able to rise to the task? Oh yeah. So I think this one, um, when you're working in government, there are a lot of acronyms thrown around. And so I had to quickly learn the lingo and who the players were, right? And it's just like, because you'll also have your career employees who have been there throughout, you know, administration and administration. So like Secret Service and the military, they've all been there. So for them, this is just like, you know, common common knowledge. But for us, who are the political appointees coming in, based on who's in office, this is all brand spanking new. You have no idea unless you've maybe worked for a previous, you know, Democratic president or Republican president. And usually that, that you know, that tends to be kind of rare. Um, but so I had to really get in and be comfortable, like you were saying, asking questions, right? Who needed to be included on this email or in that meeting? What were the rules for how we assign the hotel rooms? You know, how mm-hmm. deep does the buffer need to be between the stage and the crowd? What is that equation for calculating how many people could fit standing within a venue? Like it gets very detailed. Very detailed. Um, 
And so a lot of the skill set that I had to learn was specific to that line of work, right? Specific to the White House, specific to government, specific to politics. Um, So I, I really did. I had to get comfortable with asking questions, admitting what I didn't know and being observant too. Absolutely. We've never had an EA on our show who supported a first lady. Go figure. Uh, And I, I, you know, we may never again. I'm just going to put it out there. This is kind of a once in a lifetime moment for us. So if you could... And you, you've already a little bit, you know, touched on this, but maybe um, to just elaborate further, because I think it's so yeah. fascinating just hearing you talk. I mean, hearing you talk about just what you just shared. What's the buffer between mm-hmm. the stage and the crowd? I mean, all of these, all of these intricacies. So if you could just walk us through, you know, what was the thought process like? What was the day in the life like of supporting Mrs. Obama? And what sorts of unique support tasks or considerations or responsibilities come with working in the White House and supporting the First Lady of the United States? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> no, that's a doozy. That's like a, that's like a book. <laughs> right? So um, let's see. I think, you know, it all depends on what we were doing, whether it was a travel day, whether, you know, we were hosting events at the White House or whether it was a down day, meaning she didn't have a public schedule. Mm. So every night, the first lady would receive a briefing book with detailed materials, you know, outlining the next day's events, meetings, calls. And I'd also receive a copy of that exact book. And so I treated it as homework. You know, I'd go home and I'd memorize everything that was important for her to soar the next day. So from who she was meeting with, which groups, which individuals, the pronunciation of their names, having a little background on them, um, you know, what was the audience makeup for our larger events? Um, How many people were in that crowd? Um, What time were we moving from this location to that location? So knowing that schedule, um, drive times, right? So how long is it gonna take us to get from point A to point B? Um, what were the sequence of events once we arrived? How long was our flight? (laughs) What Mm -hmm. meal were we having on the plane? So all these little things that really helped to keep her on point, you know, should she need to ask the question, I'm there and I'm, and I'm, and I'm a resource to her, um, you know, and all this while also keeping a beat on where her girls were, what Mm. her husband was doing, just in case she asked, Right. Um, so somehow I managed to train my brain to absorb a lot of short term (laughs) information and Mm -hmm. immediately release it so that there was room for more the next day. I mean, if we had a full day of events at the White House, I would literally arrive to the East Wing, uh, go up to the office, you know, catch up on a few emails and then marry up with her at the residence um, in order to move to whatever the first event of the day was. Um, So as we're walking to said event, I'm briefing her along the way. um, Mm -hmm. And I'm literally by her side right until the minute that she goes on stage, you know, giving her that last sip of water just before she goes on. And then I'm staying in the shadows until she comes off stage. And let's say she wants to go work a rope line, meaning she's going to shake hands with the people in the crowd. So then I'm right at her heels again, you know, making sure that I'm able to 
grab business cards and gifts and, you know, babies sometimes <laughs> as people are, <laughs> you know, trying to give right. her things. And right. that way, you know, I'm keeping her, her, her hands free to hug people, to embrace people, you know, to, to really have conversation. I'm also reminding people like, let's live in the moment and not have your camera directly in her face, right. <laughs> you know, like enjoy this. Um, so, you know, there was, a, there is, I think that's what things would look like when we'd have events at the white house for sure. Um, when we were traveling, I would usually wake up two hours before she was scheduled, um, to get her day started. Um, and I would use that time for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. So time to pray, time to shower, time to get my makeup on, time to just get myself dressed so that I was prepared for any any uh, incoming questions that she could have. Right. Or to pass along her breakfast order. So just making sure that I had a few minutes, you know, two hours to myself, mm -hmm. just because I, I think that's something that we do forget as assistants of like carve out that self time where you can. <laughs> um, but at that at that point, you know once I am fielding any incoming requests from her, I'm also simultaneously coordinating with our advanced team and providing them any last minute direction. And, you know, there are just a lot of people that have to be kept in the loop um, when it comes to supporting a first lady. So like secret service, staff, advance, her valet, um, you know, so there's a lot of liaising involved in that, uh, especially when we're traveling. If it was a day where she didn't have a public schedule, then I'd literally be working on the next event or, you know, taking a trip call or chiming in on the look or the feel of an event or the logistics involved in her movements or attending a walkthrough, right? It's just, you're constantly going. It's almost hard to picture when you even had time to, to, to do the sort of the heads down focused work, because it sounds like so much of the job was just literally being being in motion with her being on the run being on the road being up in the air being you know gathering things to to prep for the next thing mm -hmm. and so it's like you think about those opportunities to to prepare those briefings to prepare those dossiers like to just be heads down and thoughtful i'm i'm almost like i'm struggling to even imagine like where those where those windows existed it sounds like what yeah. what kind of hours were you working? I it sounds yeah. almost <laughs> it sounds almost 24/7 is is what it feels like. Um is yeah, that what it I was? Think, I think as with any assistant, you know, you do get used to working around the clock, working mm -hmm. odd hours. Um you know, and it's just the name of the game, honestly, but I would find the time so in our drives to and from catching up on emails, responding on the next thing on those plane rides, you know, thankfully we'd have Wi-Fi, right. um, you know, responding and, you know, and that's where I'd find those pockets of time, um, you know, and, and if I'm honest, there would be times that I'm at dinner and I'm responding to emails or I am, you know, talking about the next day's events. Um, and, and it's just the sacrifice that a lot of people in public service have to make, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to support the apparatus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Real talk. How is the Wi-Fi signal on Air Force One? Uh <laughs> <laughs> is it better than Spectrum? <laughs> so 
just want to know. Say, on on Air Force One, you get pretty stable Wi-Fi. <laughs> the only time in which it's spotty mm. is anytime you're like traveling over a body of water, and that's probably with any plane. Yeah, um, that's fair. Her plane, which is a little different than Air Force One, um, it was a bit more spotty. She has, you know, they're they're older plane. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, that's great. That's great. Well, I I also would love to um to revisit one of the things that you said. Well, two things that you just said. One is you talked about briefing her. Um, you know, mm-hmm. as you're walking and talking, and you're and you're briefing her as she's literally walking into these meetings. In your mind, and, and also as you're working with your own clients, um, I'd love to hear what what in your mind constitutes an effective brief. You know, what yeah. should a, what should a, a, a true proper brief include? Yeah, and I think it does all depend on the principle, right? Um, there will be certain principles who are just like, give me the top line, right? Let me know. Uh, number of people that are in the crowd, uh, who I'm getting ready to meet with, and just an overall, you know, bird's eye view. And then you do have principles, uh, such as Mrs. Obama, who's just like, give me the deets, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think if, if, if the principle is more like Mrs. Obama, the way I would outline that briefing is one, letting them know, and you want to do it in sequence of the event. So letting them know, hey, we're getting ready to meet with 15 young people from X school. Um, You know, here's the topic uh, that, you know, they'll be discussing. A lot of them had questions about this prior to, because usually you'll have people, or or at least in in our field, we'd have people there, um, you know, ahead of time to kind of just feel the room. Um, So in a situation like that, which would be, let's say, a roundtable, here are some of the questions that, you know, are, are... that they're burning with, um, you know, after we have this roundtable discussion, we'll then move over to X room where you'll do a photo line with 25 people. And this will include some of the teachers, the principals. So just all of those details. Um, you know, if there was a elevator movement or she had to go upstairs, I'd make sure she knew that so that she was just prepared. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those things do matter, especially when you're supporting a woman, like, they're in heels. So yeah, how far I'm walking from point A to point B matters. Yes. <laughs> you know? Thank you. It sure does. You parked where? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just everything. You're calculating. You're like, okay, I can handle yeah. these heels for literally two, two city blocks. Exactly. But if it's four city blocks, it is not going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And, and, and so, you know, that's where I would also say our advanced teams were helpful because they would be able to give me that information ahead of time. So I'd be like, okay, listen, there's a lot of walking involved in the event tomorrow. So we'd pack flats, right? Just in case, just in case. So, um, you know, it, it, it does differ based on principle. Um, and obviously supporting a woman versus a man. Um, but just making sure that once you do know their preferences, you're right. able to just spit that information. And just in case they forgot, right? It's like, come on, they are responsible for for withholding so much <laughs> info yeah. and performing. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it's simple to forget. How do I pr- pr- pronounce that person's name? You know, mm-hmm. so if you know that, come on, like, yeah, yeah, you become a true valuable asset. Yeah. 
all of this really hinges on you being an incredibly thorough read and observer mm. of your principal. I Absolutely. mean, you have got to know them in and out and be yeah, so do. curious and invested in every single detail of their lives, what their requests are, what makes them tick, and and just mm-hmm. being that really careful study of them. Thank you for joining us for part one of our conversation with China. Be sure to join us for part two as we delve into more of China's formative years, learn all that went into supporting a celebrity and someone as high profile and adored as former First Lady Michelle Obama, as well as China's three life takeaways and lessons from her time with Mrs. Obama. I'm not giving anything away by letting you know one of those takeaways is learning how to knit. See you here soon. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.